With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lepko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lepko and Chris Sims. All right, okay, it is episode 57, Sims and Lepko Podcast. Yo, kid. We have not talked at all. So this is fresh. Yeah, you had the day off yesterday. I like your shoes. You're so hipster rolling up your pants. And then what is up with these socks? We are going to have Jim Keller. Are you living in Brooklyn now? Do you live in Brooklyn? He just just shook his head. I'm very excited to get style guy. Let me ask you, number 57, who you got? Ricky Jackson, New Orleans Saints, his first guy that jumps to my mind. My first guy, I didn't think about any. Chris Gokong. (laughs) What? He was an Eagles linebacker for like three years. Right. Uh, Fendrick, do you have a Rutgers player for us? Soribeo, defensive end on the 2006 roster. Of course, the best team in Rutgers football history. That's uh, where I always go to. Soribeo. Soribeo? Sounds <laughs> like Soribeo. Okay. So my dad, I was, I hung out with my dad on Saturday my mom, and right. they were like, oh, man, Rutgers. He goes, you know, Fendrick went to Rutgers. I go, he didn't go to Rutgers. He goes, he didn't go to Rutgers. Then why does he say all this Rutgers? Right. I goes, he went to every Rutgers game as a kid. My dad was like, that's awful. Kids that's got a, real Jersey Probably the best right Rutgers there. basketball game I ever saw, by the way, which was a loss, was against UConn in 2004, but we can talk about that one. Of course, we'll it was a loss. Gabe's stinky fingers. Let's see him. Oh, oh yeah. Man, Control room. Can we say hi to everybody, please? We got Jake. We got Ryan. We got Michelle. We got Andrew running away. Oh, look at Steinmetz Steinmetz. with the glasses on back there. Joe Cool. He's so intelligent. And why are you glistening again? Because I'm a sweater. Oh, and KP in the house. Oh, <laughs> the monster. <laughs> That, now that is Woody. She, she does, does our makeup. makeup. That's right. awesome. All right, let's bring in Jim Calhoun. He's waited long enough. He's been doing Skype interviews all morning, and he's feeling it. Welcome to people. I want to stand up. How you doing? Yeah, you're right. I should Pleasure. stand up. How you doing, How you coach? coach? Great to see you. Nice to see you guys. We already had a little conversation about Boston and Dorchester. I'm curious. What do you think of my uh, socks and everything? Well, you know, my son is President Converse. Let's see. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's amazing. That is really cool. I didn't yeah, know so that. I, yeah. So you got free Converse gear, is what you're telling us. Uh, well, he worked for Nike for many years, right. Disney and so on. Did Nike, Nike bought Converse, They bought they? it about uh, right. eight years ago, nine okay. years ago, and now moved to Boston. It's kind of a cool place. Yeah, cool. But, but that's really cool. It is, you know, it's not me. It's not you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure it's you. No, it's but not. you. <laughs> I was going to wear joggers today to just get your, so it's like just like a baggy pants that you get a feel on it. Uh, you're here, so excited you're here, and you're here because of Dove. And the thing that I've liked about what Dove's doing the last two years, we're just going to get this out of the way right now, is it's about people, it's about relationships, and you're doing it with Kevin Ollie. What is the main message that, that you're doing right now while you're well, with Dove? Dove Men's Plus Care, you know, really wanted us to, to get into something where, you know, you, we do these things that I've done a few before, but this one actually hit home in the sense of it's about relationships. You know, when, when Kevin made great plays, I loved him, hugged him. But what about when he missed that shot? What about when, when the foul shot didn't go in? What right. about things that happened in life, you know? Someone once told me, I, it was a great expression, you know, I had all these plans, 
but then life get in the way. Yeah. And then very simply, that happens in basketball, it happens in life. And I think the most, you know, looking back upon 40 years as Division One head coach, far and away, the most important thing that ever happened to me was my relationship with my players. And right. I think what, what Dub has done is show the, the, the real strength of men, the real strength of, of, of athletic teams many times, is the relationships you have. When my guys come back, and they come back a lot during the summer sure. for events, et cetera, right. I can't get them to leave because they love being with each other. I was just right. reading about Karan Butler. Like you the have best. these relationships where he calls you like every Father's Day for it, like twelve years. You know, he, uh, hey pups. Yeah, I, I know the comes. Hey, yeah, CB here. Hey pups. And, awesome. and, and 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 I stopped to see Kimbo, who's like right. tearing it up in, in Charlotte. You know, tearing and, it up, tearing it up. Yes. Twenty-one points a game. Right. Not that I'm counting, but um, <laughs> <laughs> my guy, or Mecca Ogafor, Ben Gordon. You name it. I mean, the great joy of coaching and the great joy of, 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 of living is your relationships. You know, if you look at every day, and I try to tell my kids, all my players this, and along with my sons, my grandkids, as an opportunity, you know, that's, that's a great way to approach yeah, life because, right. as I said, life does get in the way. It's oh. not, and just the way you've got to avoid the Syracuse press at the end of a game, you've got to make sure that you're avoiding all the, the pitfalls we have right, every single exactly. day. And I think that's the thing that Kevin and I discovered from this kid from South Central, from Crenshaw High School, to come 3,000 miles, and trust me, with his future, and I, and I took that really, you know, well, really serious. Before you get into it, yeah, that's yeah. a lot. What we're going to be talking yeah. about: relationships, philosophy, right. all that stuff. Really quick, DoveMenCare.com/slash/ncaa. His stories. You did a bunch of videos I've seen with Kevin Alley. They're cool. It just kind of shows your connection. All right, go for it. Well, Let's I was just going to say. I mean, do you? Do you? I, I think people underestimate the success teams have as correlations to the locker room and the. <laughs> you know, you hear about it. All oh, the Carolina Panthers. They're a close knit. Like you always hear the Super Bowl teams. Yeah, yeah. It's a close locker room. Were your national championship teams? You feel like you know they had those little extra bonds to get them over the top. It was amazing. Ninety nine. Our first one. No question that that Rip and Khalid. Right. Played against each other and for each other mm. initially. Right. Then they realized we lose the game to Vince Carter in something in '98. Right. We bring the entire team back. I've never seen a group of guys, 34 and two national championship beating Duke. Right. The whole Down deal. There, right. The whole deal. I mean, their connection on the floor and around basketball was incredible. Yeah. And, and, and I try to think of more and more as you look through things. You know, I watched the uh, Villanova win the other day. And I know Jay Wright, right. and, and Diak, uh, Ryan. Archie Diakon. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Archie Diakon. Yeah. They hug each other. Oh. I mean, because it's been four years of fighting to get here. Exactly. And, and I don't think people truly understand that, that the bonds you have are bonds that will be never broken. And, and I think you talk about teammates you had. Yeah, certainly. And, and, and you never, ever forget the moments, the minutes, the hours. And, you know, nothing in life bonds better than victory, nah, sometimes defeat. Right. But they do bond, and they bond for a lifetime. Right. I'm curious, in terms of life, so when someone is so centrally focused on something and you were on coaching, studying film, interacting with players, all that, and now you're not doing that anymore, what do you do when you wake up? Like, how do you start your day and make your opportunity? Like, we, we laugh up here because, like, Tom Coughlin's still going to the Giant Stadium, the facility. He can't get away. And he's still in there, like, daily. So I, I'm in the UConn practice facility. Okay. Are you really? But I work for the president and the athletic director at UConn, gotcha. so that's a little different. And, and, and Kevin, you know, everyone the assistant coaches played for me. Yeah. So it's right. kind of a little different. Right. Do I go to practice? Not much. I yeah. never go with reporters now. I just think it's, it, it, no, it is. It's Kevin's team. Yeah. Yes. And we want to make sure it's Kevin's team. Right. Yet. The phone calls, hey, coach, it's Kevin's. 10 o'clock at night, we got to talk. Yeah. 
So sure. that happens a lot. Yeah. Well, because it's a growth process. So to that with media, I'm very fascinated with coaches talking to the media because I think they both are doing two different things. The media is trying to get you to say quotes about winning a championship in October, and the coach is going, I'm trying to keep my team focused on a day-to-day basis. I have a story for you. 2011, February 19th, you were playing against Louisville. You guys lost 71-58. I was a reporter in Louisville covering the team. Okay. Game was a 9 o'clock game, and it ended right around 11 when I had to go live. And I get called by a producer, and they say, Adam, just go live. I know that Calhoun's about to start his press conference, but go live. And I go, I'm going to curse. Good luck with that. Do you know who the f*** this guy is? Like, I'm not going to talk in the press conference while he's talking. I go, let's see if he's in a good mood. Yeah, great move. You know. Yeah, you just lost by 13 points. Right. You get up there, and the first question is, well, Peyton Siva went off. And you go, that's not what happened. And you, you got into a reporter, and I went, I'm not going live. Like, I'm not doing this at all. The, the persona of the press conference, what is your take on how that whole thing works? And how can we fix it? How can we get it to where reporters and, and a coach can be on the same playing field? The, the thing I really truly believe is you don't know what questions to ask. Right. You, you can't start out with, uh, you know, you know, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play after exactly. her husband gets shot? Exactly. So with that analogy, right. I just lost a hot game, a game which I knew my team was better than what it played, yeah. against a very good Louisville team, against someone who I competed against and didn't mind competing against, very hard, Rick Pitino. Sure. Right. All those emotions coming in, and now 12 minutes later, we're in front of the podium. Right. And someone said, like, don't you think Siva? And they don't realize that that process, because that's what life is. You know, life, it, life is not a selfie. Yeah. It's a motion picture. Right. And it goes on and on and on. Right. And I just think that simply, and I was trying to find some continuum for us in that year. Right. And I thought we could get it at Louisville. We didn't. And they beat us, and they should have because they played better than we did. But I, I just think the relationship, if you know the right questions to ask, I don't mean you have to soft soap. I know you really worked hard. Coach you but, 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 but find a better way than, right. than, than, than asking a question like, we lost. Really? I, I got, I've got the, uh, the, the box score. Yeah. The box score right here. Your yeah, team I, got out hustles and out coached. Yeah, uh, what do you think? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, right. What about the, Rick, the move Rick made? So, <laughs> let me so, ask you. Uh, but, yeah. but, 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 I mean, there's, when certain guys ask you a question, I'm going to be very honest with you, and I only did this for 40 years. Yeah. And as you know, the hordes in Connecticut, not just Connecticut, but we're covered by everybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, know, you, I mean, you got Bristol, you got New York, exactly. you got New Jersey, yeah. Boston, et cetera. Right. And, and I, I just think there's a better way to ease into it and a better way to look at it, very simply, to understand. If I try to understand that you need the news and you need something different, then you need to understand what I need. Yeah. And I don't, I don't need you to, 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 to soft sell or, or, or give me puff questions. Not that at all. But, Coach, how'd you see it tonight? Then you're going to get, with me, probably a 10-minute response yes. on this, this, and that. And see that, you can get some good pieces, because I know I might say, but you know what, if we got our asses back a little better in defense, life would have been different. Yeah. If we did attack the press better, but I don't know, whatever the reason may be, right. I, and, and, and I had a good friend who directed our media for many, many years, he said, most guys don't know what question to ask, and I yeah. truly believe that. Because look, I see it with Belichick, I see it with Popovich, I see it with Saban, I saw it with you and Beheim and Patino. your process, guys. You don't want to speak in hyperbole. And I'm just, it, it, it is so interesting to me because they're so against each other in terms of what their mission statement is. And really all I have to do is, you're the expert, what do I need to know? Well, but, see, if in fact, in the old days they asked you about your team. Now they asked you about your coaching. They, and the one thing I won't do, and I, I do ESPN games, the one thing I made a statement on, I heard someone say, well, that kid has bad body language. This is a, an analyst. Really? Does he have gas? I mean, I, I don't know. Right. I mean, did, did something happen that particular given day? Right. So what happened that you're going to 
I, I won't do that. That you're going to psychologically evaluate you, look, his yeah. There's no way if they sit back in that 2-3 zone, right. down 12 points, down 16 in Jimmy's case, he did a great job by the press. He's going to hit press. Yeah. He did it earlier than other teams would have done it. That was actually the best move he made. Right. Yeah. It gave him time. Now, the fact that he turned the game from 55 to 70 miles an hour. Oh, my gosh. And, and Virginia, who never does that, yeah. never they started playing at they 75 miles an hour. Yeah. Right. And they're trying to make layups that they don't normally make at that speed. Right. And the game changed. And I was absolutely in the state of shock. And my point being is that's an analytical way to look at it as opposed to, as opposed to questioning someone's heart, questioning the coach's abilities, right. the other coach's ability. Yeah. I, hate, I hate it when they do it with me. Hit it more when they say, don't you think he should have? Right. <laughs> I, I, I can't. A, yeah. yes. By the way, they went right. to win the national championship the year in 2011, yes. so good right. for you. Uh, about Bayheim, I went to Syracuse, too. Okay. And didn't, didn't everybody in the media go to Syracuse? A few people. Yes, a few people. No, this whole office went to Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. That's like somebody. everywhere, yeah. But the 2-3 the zone, from a coaching perspective, is Jim Bayheim stubborn or is he playing the math? Because he's been doing it a similar way. And fans, and I'm always curious the coach's perspective of Bayheim because the fans are like, oh, he should change. What's the coach perspective of someone that competed against him? Well, you know, he, he, a couple of things are set in place here. You know how he recruits? If he shows you he's had, he's had great, great point guards, obviously, Sherman Douglas, et cetera. Sure. But if you show him a 6'3", six 6'4", six point guard, maybe 6'5", six 6'6", six six, I love him. Yeah. He recruits to his, the way they play. Remember, years and years ago, Jimmy played. I can tell you what Jimmy do. Start out Tuesday's zone. Right. As soon as you scored some. Go man to man, and then if you get down big pressure, mm. he's evolved much more into two three zone pressure, two three zone. Right. <laughs> he does things that he's up to, with ten seconds to go, he stays in the zone, because when they practice, and I was at a practice last couple of years, they run up and down the court forty minutes, both teams playing two three zone. No one else I see does that. That's right. crazy. And so it's all predicated on how he recruits, right. how they play the zone, they match up out of it, they extend it higher than anybody else. And they got, you know, if they ever had a, a, you know, back in the day, a shot blocking center on this team, right. they'd be terrific. Right. I mean, Coleman's done a good job considering all the ills he's had. Yeah, like when like, they had like Warwick and oh, stuff, they were they Warwick, were. Yeah. 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 Warwick, well, they right. had that one year with Lorenzi on Oahu. You're like, man, this team kind of makes sense. But overall, I, I, I just think that, 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 that Jimmy shouldn't change. He's in the Final Four again. Right. I mean, his, his overall record's terrific. Has he had good players? Yeah, but there's no democratic law saying you can't get good players. Right. I mean, people say, well, right. he gets good players. Well, Mike Shresky gets great players. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a great program. Oh. Drives, that's another conversation drives the kids because that's always, you know, oh, well, he's not that great at Phil Jackson. I mean, anyone could have won championships with Michael Jordan or whatever. I mean, it's just I hate hearing that talk. Yeah, it's and, much and, of crap. and clearly there's certain programs right. that if you go to, if the three of us took over hypothetically, Kansas, Duke, Carolina, right. now, right. we'd at least – be starting on the upper you start, level. Yeah, exactly. You started in pretty good place. But then right. you got to maintain it. It, it. And I always felt we got in 89 won our first Big East championship and beat Georgetown Syracuse back to back. Terrific for us. That was really hard. But guess what? The hardest thing was to maintain, you know, we ended up with 17 yeah. championships. That was really hard to get the other 16. Yes. Right. So I think what's really hard too is so you're a coach, you're singularly focused, you have a process, and you want your players to adopt that. And then I see a guy like Ray Allen, who his perspective of like what fans have seen is the hardest working takes a thousand shots a day. Was he like that at 17, 18 when you recruited? Was that just who he was? No, I used to kid him. He's too good looking, too too smooth. Uh, he's all around campus as a young kid. I finally gave him a basketball. I said, Ray, here's something that I'm going to give you. It's going to be very important to you. Oscar Robinson dribbled a basketball in Indianapolis every single day back and forth to school. Take this ball, 
not going to cheat on you, not going to cost you any money for dates, going to be loyal as heck to you, and going to give you something great at the end. Right. He took it to every class, I'm serious, for the first year, and he started to get the idea, because he was, you know what his nickname is? Hollywood. If he say me, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah, well, after, he got games. Yeah. <laughs> but afterwards, he might look at the way I dress and, Coach, those sneakers don't go with that. Or whatever it may be. That's how he always looked. Ray Allen had great pride not only in himself right. and how he played. And once he found some secrets, and you said it, you know, it's a four-letter word, yeah. work, right. work. Right. Yeah. And he then became almost obsessive about it in a very positive sort of way. I mean, right. It's like golf now. He's a terrific player, sure. you know, three handicap. That's who he is, and, 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 and when you find players like that, oh, you milk it like crazy, you who make sure. Who else did you have that right. was like that? Kimber, Kimber, Kimber enjoys the game so much that you can't throw Kimber out of the gym. He signed for 48 million, four years, and he looks at me, he says, Coach, you know, I do this for nothing. I say, shh, don't tell me <laughs> Keep it a secret. Tell that to your agent, keep right. it a secret. Yeah, and my point being, I mean, there's other guys. Mecca Ogilvie was a great athlete. Sure. Uh, Harvard book winner, graduated in two and a half years of the honors program. Right. Once he turned into that because he put life into blocks. So if you were talking to him in the weight room about basketball, he really didn't want to hear it. If he was in the academic study hall and you wanted to talk about weightlifting, he didn't want to hear it. Yeah. On the court, you didn't want to hear about weightlifting. He was able to compartmentalize right. individual things. I Jeez. never met again. He went from a rebound of shot blocker to, I, you know. To first pick in the draft yeah, and yeah. Yeah. national champion. And right. very special guy. Yeah. Right. What do you got for him? Well, I mean, I got so many. I could talk to him forever, first of all, because, all right. I mean, he's old Big East, which I love the Big <laughs> yes. East. I mean, I, it's really, I still root for the Big East just because of that. But what's your take, first of all, on like the ACC right now and what it is? Give him your speech. Well, my big thing is I think the ACC a little bit is like the SEC. the SEC in football, right? They're clearly uh, have the most uh, quantity amount of good teams uh, or that are quality, I would say. And, and, I, and, and coaches. And coaches, right, exactly. So I guess what I want to say is just your thoughts on the ACC. Tell me what you said. You think and that two teams from the ACC should just automatically I, be in the yeah, Final I, Four? Yeah, I really do. There's a part of me that's like, the, I say that with the SEC in football, they should have two teams in the Final Four. Uh, sure. And the ACC, I almost feel the same way. I mean, I I really do. I just look at them and go, man, it's the one conference uh, that's got a lot of good basketball players and some freakish athletes with size, where in college basketball right now, I see, I, th I think you see a lot of one or the other. So go ahead, tell me I'm an well, idiot. It, or it, right no, it's, it's or changing. Because yeah. you brought uh, Notre Dame in, obviously Syracuse, Pittsburgh, right. you brought in the flair, and honestly, the fistfights of the Big East attitude. Yes, they've mm -hmm. made them tougher. Mike always had that. My theory on years ago that the Big East was the best, first of all. The best yeah. ever. Yeah. There's never been anything close to it. There right. really hasn't been. Yeah. The neighborhood fistfights. And they did, they did the uh, uh, birth of the Big East the year well, or two ago. That's why I love the Big East, and, too. And, 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 and honestly, everybody was, you know, Jimmy Valvano, God rest his soul, used to say, right. first game you ever did was Syracuse, Connecticut. And he said, everybody's ready, everybody ready. And pretty soon they threw the ball up. And then for two hours, all hell broke loose, and guys were calling this and that, and then F this and F that, and the officials saying F back, and pretty soon, and then it all ended, they all hugged, and they went home. Right. And, and, and the way he said that was true. He said, now I do an ACC game, it's more a gentleman's game, and they all have great <laughs> skills, and you know what? In that funny bit that Jimmy did much funnier than I did, yeah. um, there's a lot of truth. Right. I mean, it was, I mean, it was, you all knew each other. Yeah. You all, it, was, it was your neighborhood fights. A little more yeah. personal. It was very personal, right. and, and I think they brought that, part of that too. Mike always had that. Yes. Mike was. Mike has Spicy. always been. You know, Mike has always been the emperor of college basketball in many, many ways. Conversely, he's as tough a competitor as I've ever coached against in my life. Uh, Timmy Higgins, former official, once said, yeah, no, "The game me. I don't want to do right. is Calhoun and Shishetsky. They don't <laughs> want just the calls. They want 
every call. Yeah. Right. And they never quit until the horn goes off. And my point being is that I, 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 Mike always had that, and I think people they haven't caught up. But I think other people feel that way. You watch some of the guys coaching our league, right. and it, it, it's the best basketball league now. But during the year, the Big Twelve might have been. Right. I don't know if they don't have the. The culture has changed a little in the ACC. You're 100 right, and, yeah. and of course I'm going to say very prejudiced because of the infusion right. of the Big East attitude. Of course, I think there's something oh, to that. I, I, well, Go I got for it. it. I got it because I know I can't help it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, just as far as the all right, first of all, it does jump out to me when you go Providence and Villanova. I feel like they're in foul trouble in the start of every game in the NCAA tournament <laughs> yeah. because they play that physical style. No of question. Ball. Yep. Um, what about like recruiting? You know, in the Big East because that's what I think was so polarizing about it because it's a lot of Northeast inner city and we know New York. Work and Brooklyn is the mecca of basketball and all that. Uh, so did you have to, you know, were you at high school games and you'd be like, well, there's Jim Beha on the other side. I mean, yeah, so that makes it. There's John Thompson. What, what's John, it like John recruiting Thompson this area compared if to the John rest? John Thompson walked into a gym right. years ago. It was over. People looked around. But, yeah, you know, just like a thing I always thought, how, how we changed it. I came there and I went to my assistant when I first got there. I said, okay, we've had five straight losing seasons. We've got to change that. Right. Obviously. And I, I, I said, but why are we taking the ninth kid in, in Pennsylvania and they're getting the second guy in Pennsylvania, the first guy, okay. So if you think about it, Ray Allen, Dowdell, South Carolina, Kevin Ollie, oh, Crenshaw, yeah. Los Angeles, right. uh, Donnie Marshall, Seattle, Federal Way, Washington. Yeah, you, you I went out, out and said, here's what I go to your home and say, you like Dowdell? Oh, I love him. Coach Thompson's, no, they haven't. Coach Thompson's called you, right? No. How would you like to beat Coach Thompson? How would you like to beat Alonzo Mourning? How would you like to beat those guys? Because the, at that time when I came in in 85, 86, 87, right. that era, the Big East was the hardest thing on, on the planet right. yeah. in basketball. Right. And we got kids from in the area. We couldn't get a New York kid. Couldn't right. get any of those kids. Oh, by the way, we had like six of the next seven New York City players right. a year once we got good. Right. We sold it because we won. We sold it because the building was packed. We sold it as much as anything else because we had 32 first-round draft choices, 19 lottery selections, uh -huh. 19. And, and with that, a total of eight McDonald's All-Americans. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, some of these teams now have eight on one team. Right. We did that in 26 years. I'm not saying that for any other reason, but we might get to 50 or 60 as best player. Now, he may not be as talented as number one, LeBron. Right. But he's probably as good as number 12. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. He could be. Right. And my point is, right. and then we always talked about development. Someone asked me how we got so many good players. I said, we developed kids, and they went on to the NBA. And Richard only, let's see, Cliff Robinson, our first guy, it lasted 20. Yeah. 19 for Ray. Right. Rip Hamilton, 15. Our guys don't take, get a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. you're they right. They drink the whole pot. You're right. They you're drink right. The my, my question for you. I'm so sorry, I got on. No, no, I that guess was perfect. I so you, you clearly are someone that you respect fight, and you're also someone that when there's an obstacle in your way, you find another way to get around it. What age did that start for you? Did you get into like a fight when you were younger, like growing up in Dorchester? Like, well, yeah, how did that I, I, mold two you? Two quick stories. Uh, I was walking back from the park one day. This is actually when we moved to Branch. You know, I was probably nine years old or something. And my dad saw me come up the street, like go through the park much quicker. And I said, what are you doing? And I said very simply that, 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 that uh, well, I don't want to go that way. He said, that's not true. So what happened? He saw a little blood up here, a little hit. And so he said, all right, get in the car. He took me back to where four guys were. Right. And he said, hey, and they all started running snow. My dad was 6'3", uh, Merch Marine Academy graduate, light heavyweight championship of the uh, Merch Marines. Wow. Six foot three. That's okay. legit. He said, guys, one at a time. Right. And I fought a guy at the time. My dad, it, was, it, it sounded like a movie, but yeah. it happened. Right. And I, ne I never walked around again. Yeah. And I always took things head on. Right. And then my dad died when I was 15. And I had to leave college, full scholarship, and worked in the, as a um, 
stone cutter, right. making gravestones for a year and a half. I went to a shed every morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. While my friends were playing basketball, I was in the shed for a year and a half to help my mom out. Six kids, my mother sure. had a high condition. Right. So a lot of things happened. So I think I found out the responsibility. I thought about attacking life and the fact that you've got to make the most opportunities that you can. Every day is an opportunity. Right. Mm. And I started to look at it that way. And then I, the drive came because of whole different things. I knew I had to be, when someone tells you at 15, I'll take care of your mom, and you have no idea what that really yeah, means. Right. Oh, I, right. I think it changes it a little bit. Yeah, I see it. At 20, this is 20 stitches from Southie right here. Four okay. on four, full court right okay. here. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just want to let him know that I've been in his hood. I've been around where You see why this man right here can lead men. Because yes. he understands what it requires, the mindset. And uh, I'm so happy that you came, man. Yeah, Seriously. I, I could see, keep Thank you here so all day, Coach. The, the heck with your other engagements. slash NCAA. It's not just a problem. Product. It's about a lifestyle and a mindset. You're the man, dude. Thanks, man. Enjoy the rest. Thank I really you. had yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, Thanks. Really you can walk off whenever you want. Yep. You didn't strut. even swear. I mean, you know, I would have liked one swear. He said F this, F that. Yeah, okay, all yeah, right. We, we, we had to control ourselves. <laughs> I want, you know, you can yell at me like I was a bad three-point shooter or something. Okay. I wanted, years ago I worked with John Kemp. Right. Okay. And, he, and Mark Cuban was as a, in the fantasy camp. And he says, I thought you were really tough. And I told him why the, I was so Tough. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. On awesome. that note, <laughs> you're the Very man. Cool. See ya. Um, Be good, guys. Right. Yeah. Blast. All good. Yeah. Oh, man. Our pleasure. We'll see you soon. Definitely. All right. So, um, that he's clearly the man. Yeah. I mean, it's what exactly what you expected. I could have asked him a million questions, especially about, you know, I, I do find it interesting because even growing up, I would go to big high school games in the area. Uh, you know, New York, Brooklyn, Jersey. You can see the good teams, and I know this is a more of a football podcast, but you could go to some of those games, and you the first the future of the Big East. The first games. seven guys off the bench, the backups were all going D one. Yeah, and you were just like, wow. Like, look at you know Lincoln High School in Brooklyn. It's the starting five goes Division one every year. Yeah, and it's a public school. But I would go to these games, and I would see, like, I've seen him at a game. Like, I saw him at uh, FDU one year for, like, the Jersey Final Four. You know, and all these coaches would come in, and they'd be sitting in the middle of the stands just like everybody else. Sure. And you're like, man, look at him. He's watching Tim Thomas or, Tim you know, Thomas. right, or uh, the guys those, from St. Patrick's. When those guys come to the high school games, the fans are as excited yes. to see them sitting there as they we are for the actual you, game. Con. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, when yeah, everybody we would, gets when I would be at a Louisville right. game and Patino would show up yes. or Calipari would show right, up, of course. all of a sudden you respected the kid more. Right. Because you're like, whoa, They're he's here. here for him. Right. Uh, quick run through of what else we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to do some draft stuff. We're going to dive back into your draft notebook. Okay. Got a few funny videos to show you. Uh, but you could tell. Videos to show me? Yeah, I got a video that I got okay. off YouTube to show gotcha. you. Uh, but what's interesting with a guy like Calhoun right. is you could tell that probably from when he was 15 when his father died that he became a guy that can be a coach. It takes a certain mindset to lead people and to be so process oriented. You hear and, the story a lot. I mean, I mean, not a lot, but you hear it a good amount. So where, here's, here's right. what happened. Rex Ryan recently said that he thinks Ed Reed yeah. can be a, a head coach in five years. Right. And my question for you is what current players can be coaches. Yes. I challenged Fenshire to come up with some. Right. I tried to and I realized here's the problem with being a coach open in the mind NFL. Just so I can look at teams and just here's have, here's the right. problem is you can't go, oh, Tom Brady's gonna be a coach because yeah. he's made too much money. That's gonna be the problem with a lot of the big name players in football. They've like Brandon Marshall much... would be a great coach. Yes. He'd be a great wide receiver coach. Uh, he's 
he's smart enough to really, after time, once he's learned the ropes and things, to come up with game plans and yeah, do those Brandon things. Yeah, but Brandon Marshall's poised for bigger things. Exactly. That's going to be the big issue with a so lot of these I guys. So I reached out to Twitter. Right. And I got some suggestions. Oh, okay. Now, here are the ones the, the ones that were suggested multiple times. Right. Joe Thomas of the Browns. Sure. Again, I think he's made too much money. Wait, exactly. Left tackle. Alex, Alex Smith. Right. He's made too much money. Right. Anquan Bolden. Right. He's made too much money. Yes. The grind to becoming a head coach it's, is is a lot of money when you can go, I can be home with my family right now. I mean, that's what I did. I mean, that's um, case number one. I mean, not that I made that kind of money, but I made enough money to where I said, you know what, I don't need to do, like, torture myself with this lifestyle for the next 20 so years So the of my one life. name that I came up with right. was Bruce Gradkowski. Ooh, sure. Which is I'm someone f- that you always see with the headset talking. Right. But, like, he's uh, the mentor that he hasn't made a ton of money. Right. But he might just want to be around football. Well, that's why you see a lot of Gary Kubiak, Ken Dorsey down in yes. Carolina. That's the backup quarterback, right, who's like a little unfulfilled because he didn't get to play his career. Right. And also, yes, didn't make that big money and also just truly loves the game. So, so those like are certainly guys. So I got right. Charles Tillman, I don't know. But like the Peyton Mannings know, Pat McAfee, Charles Woodson, right. Larry Fitzgerald, Rivers. Someone said Gronk, and I thought Gronk uh, as negative, a head coach would be the funniest thing of all time. But like... <laughs> <laughs> Big Ben, Richard Sherman, they're too Steve they're Smith too big. Senior, Steve Smith would probably be a really good coach. He'd be a guy but I look at, but he, he made too much money. You're exactly right. It's going to be lower level type of players. You know, it's going to be like maybe a Danny Amendola type, right? Somebody like that. He's, he's made enough money to go, you know, I can go coach because I love football. Yes. I'm smart. I've been around New England, all these things. Those would be the guys you but need like, to But, like, look, Doug Peterson. Really Doug Peterson was backup quarterback. a backup quarterback. So go. I think maybe, you know, maybe a Chase Daniel. Uh, Charlie Whitehurst, I know Jake back there right. said that as a joke. Right. Uh, but it is. It's it's the backup quarterbacks, the backup safety, the third-string wide receivers, yes. stuff like that. Yes. Uh, maybe guys like uh, some outside line, like a James Harrison. Now, he might have made too much money, but I think James Harrison's another guy has been smart. He's been a top-notch organization. Excuse me, organization. That was gross. I know. But that's why, like, tra- uh, Porter's there, right? And Pittsburgh, yes, too. Joey same Porter. type of player, right? Same type of guy. They're just, they, they need to be around it. They don't necessarily need to be the head coach, but they're capable of the long work days. People don't really understand the grind of NFL coaching, especially once, you know, July comes. It is the ultimate grind. What do you there, mean? Is, there is nobody working harder. I don't think in any walk of life than coaches. In July. And from July to January. What the hell? Is, oh, you're just talking about like game planning every day. There There's like no 10, day. You go no day. day off, really, unless you have that bye week where you might get like a weekend off, right? And uh, it's, yes, I mean, it's in the office every day at 6 a.m. And listen, I was one of the first people to walk out of New England's in the, at night. I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, f*** this. I'm out of here. Like, I can't. Anything I do from here on out is not going to be quality work. I need to go. And I would walk out at 10 o'clock at night. And I you mean, were one of the first people. To I leave. would be one of the first people. And, and I know people. Were, I know people were walk, watching me walk out like, oh, oh Sims, what a pussy or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, because it becomes competitive like that. It does. And some of the some of the coaches are sitting in there just watching TV because they're scared to leave because they they keep going out to look and go, oh, Bill's still here. I can't leave if Bill's still here, even though Bill didn't really care. 
Uh, yeah. Bill was in his dungeon doing his thing. He wasn't going around keeping attendance like, oh, he's here and he's not. Yeah, because he'll right. know if you did the work or not eventually. Oh, that's all he cares about. Right. If he wasn't so rich, would Tony Romo be a good coach? Ooh, Tony Romo that, would be a That was I, a name just from interacting yeah, with Jason Garrett. Tony Romo would be a great. I feel like I've seen so much of Tony Romo on the sideline with right. the earpiece in going up and down the sideline yes. because he's been hurt I so think much. Could, so. Yes, he's a good one. I think you can go through a lot rich. of slot receivers. Uh, there's certainly Jordy some offensive Nelson. linemen. Right, guys like a Jordy Nelson uh, even you know uh, guys like a Jeremy Curley, th- guys like that, they they know the game. Yeah, well, perfect example. Right. Greg Lewis, uh, a standard wide receiver sure. for the Eagles, right. is now the wide receiving coach. And I'm listening to Philly Talk Radio, and they're like, Greg Lewis, what is he going to teach people? Right. And the Ike Reese, who was another guy like that, was right. like, you need to understand the dudes that are not the starters yeah. have to know so much more than the dudes that are blessed with talent. Yes. And those are the guys that become it because they're sitting there with the coaches, they're in there in the meeting rooms, they're not getting reps. They're all, all the tricks practice. of the trade. You're exactly yeah. right. So Ed Reed, I've heard this for years. That but he was, Ed Reed is special. He is. Ed Reed's a special guy. And that's why you saw Bill Belichick love him. Yes. Uh, I mean, Ed Reed is one of those few guys that truly understood the offense. I really the wish we could find out who are the who are the film rats for every team. Yeah. That'd be and that's something that I'd like to start asking guys right. is, who are the dudes on your team that live in the film room? Right. Because those will be the coaches. Yes. So it's hard to predict it right now, but right. I think it's an interesting topic. Uh, one thing that I think is super interesting is our relationship with 40 times when it comes to scouting. Boy, are we obsessed. Yeah. And boy, we have a wrinkle in the draft because of what happened with Laquan Treadwell. Right. Laquan or Tunzel. Tunzel didn't run either, right? Yeah, but I don't think it's – we it's don't not care as, as much for right. offensive linemen. Right. Um, Laquan Treadwell went out there, did not run the 40 at the combine. Right. He is decidedly the number one wide receiver in the draft, even though our draft expert, uh, Matt Miller – has Michael Thomas, and frankly, I'm not going to make fun of anyone's draft evaluation because we're not going to know if he's right or wrong for three to four years. So let's shut the hell up about it and go, okay, interesting well, point. Well, Laquan Treadwell would be he's my number, number one. one. Right. What did he run in his 40? Four, six, He ran a four-six-three, right. I believe, six, at his pro day. And right. you always say pro days at a tenth ten. of a second, so right. four-seven-three. Right. And when you compare him, uh, this is what he did. Right. Uh, first of all, let me get your scouting report on Laquan Treadwell so right. people can know your opinion of him. Yeah, uh, great size. We know that. That's what everybody loves about him, first of all. You know, he's got great quickness. You want to talk about, he did, he's very raw. He didn't run a lot of routes in, on the offense. You hear me say that all the time with old Miss guys. So, there's not a lot of documentation to say, oh, I've seen him run a ton of post corners and in cuts and yes. things like that. Will Fuller cer- certainly awesome as well. He ran a four three two, listed to be a four three nine, I believe. Uh, Doxon was in that four four range. Right. Michael Thomas was in that four 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 five range. Right. Laquan- so a four six three looks bad in comparison. But Treadwell, you've always had pops off the film. He does. Yeah. I, I never watched when I studied him. I never said, mm, yeah, speed is a little issue. I'm concerned. Yeah. At, not, at no point. I mean, he runs by everybody on the film, whether it's Cyrus Jones from Alabama, whether it's guys from LSU. And that's what's important is seeing how they are on in pads. There's on no film. doubt about it. Yes, that is the most important thing. Did this thing. scare you? Uh, it, it's not. I don't love it. Now, I've, I've seen Laquan Treadwell. People put him at, like, number 10 in the draft. I don't see that. I don't think any of these receivers are top 10 picks. Really? Yes, I think more. You know, I really think you see 15 and after. Maybe you start to see some of the receivers go. But this is a weak class. Laquan Treadwell, as compared to the last two classes, he would be down the line as far as receivers. Okay. He would have been like the fifth guy off the board, right? Somewhere along those lines. Yeah, well, two years ago was, when Brandon was Cooks sick. was the fifth guy, he's probably going to be right after it would, that. Right, it was a sick class, right? Yeah. And, I mean, even that class had, you know, right, you know, Mike Evans had like a ton Jordan of people. 
Sammy Watkins, say, yeah. all those, right. So that John was a phenomenal Brown, class. Allen Robinson, um, Allen Hearns. So I'm not concerned about it. I do hate the I'm not running at the combine, I'm going to run at my pro day thing. It's a bunch of bull crap. Yes. Let me just say this. If you're injured, okay, that's cool. If you're not injured, they should not be able to list your pro day 40 times as they were taken by handheld times. They should have be, lasers there. Or you add ten, a tenth. Because I'm so sick of seeing some of these guys who, oh, he's a high, you know, he's a high first day pick. And he didn't run at the combine, but at his pro day, pro day he ran four five nine, and he has four five nine next to his name for the rest of his career. Yeah. Why meanwhile, did he get the pro day, and the other guy. Right. The meanwhile, another guy that's in a similar position ran four six one at the combine, and it says four six one next to his name, and he ran faster actually than the four five nine yes. guy. So they should automatically add so the ten. I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but right. Jason Cole had the report that the scouts and executives that are evaluating Treadwell that he talked to right. are not concerned about the short term; that they think he's going to be a really good receiver right away. But that they're concerned about eight to ten years down the road if you're going to draft this guy and he's starting off at four six three. Right. As like he gets as older, he's only going to get slower. Get right. He's only going to get slower. Yeah. Here's my counterpoint. Right. I think the forty, the importance we put on is crazy. Right. Someone on the NFL line on Reddit posted, "Hey, we found Mel Kuyper's uh, draft takes and stuff, scouts from 2001." Right. And I found one point to be very interesting. It's so funny to look back right. at the evaluation. 2001, he said one player who we would have liked to have been a little bit better was Oregon State's Chad Johnson. Right. After enjoying a steady elevation at the draft board, Johnson ran a far less than expected 4.58, not showing the burst during the 40 that was on display at Oregon State. A little bit later, he goes, but one guy that really improved his draft stock was UCLA's Freddie Mitchell. The exciting junior stole the show, running a mid 4-4 that came through with a top drawer effort in the positional workout. Right. My team drafted Freddie Mitchell yeah, in the first round, right. and Ocho Cinco didn't go later. And when you look at the comparison of their two careers, who played faster on the field? Exactly Who right. was a better <clears throat> wide receiver, Chad Johnson or Freddie Mitchell? <clears throat> Freddie top Mitchell. Pulse one. What 11 picks. I still can't believe that Freddie Mitchell had only 90 catches entire career. But it shows you, like, Freddie Mitchell got vaunted up because of this 40 time, and Chad Johnson was punished because of it. But when you look at the film, Mel Kiper says it in his report. Right. Did not show the burst that was on display at Oregon State. That's all you care about. The film has to be number one. Listen, if you have concerns, if you watch the film first and then go, I have concerns about the speed, yes. and now the 40 matches up with... The concerns. But if Treadwell popped and then the 40 wasn't there, go, maybe the dude just plays faster with pads. Uh, exactly right. Some guys are just, when they're not thinking about it, some guys lock up getting down in the three-point stands. That First of all, they're never going to have to do that again either. Yes. A, a tall guy getting down in three-point stands trying yeah, to get like out. this. Right. That's never going to happen again. And, yes, and it's also about, not always about, okay, why do they start one, off in the three-point stands? You can run one race and you run 4-4. Four, four. Okay, but what are you going to run on the 12th one? That's what I want to know, too. Well, my question is also this. We always say they're trying to decipher between football players and track athletes. Why don't they start in the wide receiver position and then go 40 yards? Why are we rewarding the guys that have a track background? I, I don't understand Or that. you're rewarding the smaller guys. That's the really big thing because the smaller guys, of course, are going to be able to get out quicker. That's what's going to yeah. I just think the combine, while it go, does give us a lot of great things like right. the three-cone drill, vertical leap, broad jump and stuff, it is very antiquated. It's anything that has been the same thing for 30 years, we need to look at changing well, it the, because we're advanced technology right. enough to figure it out. Right. What the combine is great for me, like when the process I'm in right now, like right, let's say you, you've seen my notebook, I've probably watched the – 
the top 80 to 90 guys. Uh, what's great for me is once I get through all the main names, the top 30 guys that everybody's talking about all the time, I love to now go back, look at the combine, and go, wow, this kid was pretty special. He explosion. shows athletic explosion. Right. So let me go check the film. Does it translate to the film? And you find some diamonds in the rough. That's where you that. find a Byron Jones. Right. And that's when you hear you hear the height, weight, speed prospects, right? Those yes. Are, right. We didn't really have them on our radar, but, but we measured them. But this Georgia He's pass fast. rusher. Exactly right. Yeah, let Dupree. me go back and watch him. Oh, yeah, this guy is a freak a little bit. Yeah, There's I don't. It can't be the main indicator. Everyone's heard right, that. Right. Uh, when it comes to draft evaluation, our guy Matt Miller, who I'm trying to get in here more because I'd like to do more stuff with right. him. Jalen Ramsey apparently was insanely impressive at his pro right. day. When asked for a, a pro player comparison, Matt Miller said Jalen Ramsey reminds him of Charles Woodson. Hmm. You know Charles Woodson. Yes. You studied Jalen Ramsey. I'm curious your thoughts on Miller's PPC. Well, I, I don't think it's crazy actually. I mean, this kid is they certainly do measure up when you look he at it like that. He can play both. Yeah. This Kid, speed. There this it is. kid on film looks bigger than a Charles Woodson. He's more, I think, a more dense, muscular, a little thicker type of kid. He, he looks impressive with his shirt off. You know, I, I like Jalen Ramsey a ton. I mean, he's not a projected first-round pick. He's going to be a first-round pick. It's a projected first-round pick. Oh, you know. Yeah, he's a top three. Right. Pick. He, he certainly could be. Um, I don't think I would take him number one. I hear all that talk like, oh, yeah, he could be the number one pick. No. I'm not going to take anybody number one who we don't even know what position he's going to play, first of all. That's, well, why is that not versatility? Why is that a tweener? Because it, it, it is still versatility, yes, but... We sit here all the time, dude, and talk about the Cardinals and, and, and the Patriots. Great, but we don't talk about a corner, corner position, and there's like there's only a few people in football that can kind of do both. It's, Tyra Matthew could do right, both. Right, Ron Parker, maybe that's about it. It's a very limited amount of guys that can really do both legitimately. But to be the number one pick, and we're going... I don't know what position he is. That's a little scary to me. Yes, it is. I I see all the physical. Is he the ability. number one corner? He is the number one. Is he corner. the number one safety? Uh, mm, I don't know about that. Really, man, the kid from Florida. Uh, I don't know. If that, Keanu sorry, Reeves. Keanu. Okay, I call him Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. Keanu, Keanu Neal. Neal. Okay. Keanu so Neal is the best safety in the draft. Whoa, bro. But, yeah, you're right. making me the top Whoa, safety, I'm from bro. the SEC. I hit people, bro. No, so Keanu. Go okay. 55 or faster. So because I was gonna say, if he's the number one corner and safety. That sounds like Yes, enough. he's not, in my opinion. Okay, For, so, I've seen Keanu O'Neill play safety awesome all year long in the SEC, and so he's going to be my number one safety. Now, Jalen Ramsey certainly, as a projection, has the capability of being a great safety, but I haven't seen Jalen Ramsey have to get up in the box and have an ISO with a fullback coming downhill at but him. But what about just the top so, corner? Is him being the number one corner now? That's enough? cool, yes. I don't, still don't think I would take him a number one okay. as a top corner because, first of all, the corner can have periods of games and certain games where he's just not involved enough for me to justify him gotcha. being a number one. But where a left tackle will always be there, exactly a pass rusher right. will always exactly be there. Exactly right. Because it is trenches and quarterbacks that are always right. used. Wide receivers are not always thrown to, running backs are not always handed yes. off to, but offensive, defensive line, and quarterback are always it, there. They're always and involved. That's why Sometimes there's more of an argument for linebacker than corner. Yes, because again, they're centrally located. There's really no phase of the game they're not going to be. They're not going to be. They're going to be involved regardless, gotcha. right? You know. All right. So now I want to dive into your draft notebook because okay. I really enjoyed it last time. Okay. Uh, this is where I'm going to. You're now on tier two, right? You got God it. Damn, that thing is that's so heavy. My, all right, my so phone, now Sims is on to his second notebook. How many guys did you say he's I, got? I it? think I'm close to 90 right 90. now. 90. So if right. you think about 90, that means you're about three rounds in. Yeah, three rounds in. And then when I say I scout him, I never watch less than two games. I'm going to watch at least two games. Yes. Most guys, I'm going to really watch three. And Sims, can you clarify for people that aren't scouting players, right. watching two games, is that the accepted norm for what you need I've to watch? Sure like two or three. Yeah, I would say it's going to be two or three. It's going to be. Initially, when I heard you say that you only watch two games of guys, I was like, how could you? They played, you know, 48 games. 
teams while you're in college. Yes, right, right. Well, listen, you can't sit here and dive. What I would like, in my perfect world, is to watch two games and then be able to watch some tapes after that, some POA tapes, which point of attack. So it's now, just like it's like it's not highlight, but it's like the, it's one play where he's involved. Minutia's in out. If you're the left tackle and they tossed it right, we're not going to put that on the tape because he really had nothing to do with the play, right? So you're showing plays where okay, if he's a left tackle, the runs are behind him, the stalemates he does as far as stopping the pass rusher, the times he does get beat, maybe push back. So you're yeah, trying so to give a complete positive. portrait yes. of the player. All right, so I dove into the draft notebook. Of course, if you remember, no one can read Sims' handwriting. For some reason, I'm able to read it, and he writes some really funny You're my sh- wife, so work wives are supposed to be able to read it. Why can't you be my work wife? Uh, I don't You're know. You're the prettier one here. Uh, my name's first, sorry. You're the okay, wife. Okay, well, like, we could be a civil <laughs> union, you... Yes, I guess. Uh, all right, so first one, uh, and I brought this one up to you before. Okay. Vernon Hargraves III. Right. He is a guy that is projected, I'm seeing, from anywhere as high as like 5 or 6. Right. All the way back to like 12 or 13. But right. that's his range. Yes. Cornerback from Florida. Yes. You write, quote, for size, he is ultra aggressive in all phases. Right. He is feisty, and he talks a lot of shit. Yes. How can you tell that someone is talking a lot of shit? Film. Well, when I scout a guy, I love to watch pre-snap, post-snap. Because pre-snap's going to tell me, okay, is he getting lined up quickly? Is he helping other guys line up? Is he clearing them up? Oh, here's mo- there's a motion coming here. Be ready for this. Is he signaling? Because you can see leadership from Leadership, that. and I could also tell, okay, his kid obviously knows what the hell's going on. I mean, he's smart. Was he like that beforehand, uh, before he, the plays? He was phenomenal, and then after the play. Yeah, what do you mean by talking oh, sh- I mean, he just—he was going to make sure he tackled you all the way through the ground. He was going to get up and be feisty and let you know he took you to the ground. And, you know, whatever. And you see his, like, helmet Oh, bobbing. his helmet's moving. And so he's you're a looking, pointing. like, a lot of people are probably looking at the play and then skipping to the next one. You're trying to watch that four or five I seconds I want to see what the kind of kid this is because I don't get to meet them in person, too. Do you so like a talker? I Especially at the corner position. The corner position, you better be uh, mentally tough, feisty, be able to do all those things. Because you're going to get beat. Yes, you're going to get beat there. Right. You, yeah, okay, you go over and get on an island against Odell Beckham Jr. Tell and me how that's going to work. 70 plays. 70 snaps, right? Yeah. It's just you're going you're gonna to lose some of those against the, one of the freakiest athletes on the planet. Uh, any other guys in well, this and, draft that, that you go, wow, he's a, he's a trash talker Well, as he well? is certainly one of the best ones. I mean, he's got such an aggressive attitude, and I know you read it in my notes. He could be he could be one of the best free safeties in football too. He could be Earl, he could be Earl Thomas. He's built like an Earl Thomas. Yeah, ultra explosive. Uh, I think he is the best pure man to man cover corner in so the draft. So that's I think the issue with Jalen Ramsey right. for you too is you don't think the gap between him and Hargraves is that wide. I don't think it's that wide. Exactly right. I I, uh, I think Hargraves think is a phenomenal football player. The gap between player. Laramie Tunsil and the next tackle is that wide. Ooh, I think it's a I think it's a hair wider than Ramsey. To I think Tunsil is clearly the number one. I think. Number two, I would probably give it to Stanley, but I think it's very close with him and Taylor Decker. I'm a big fan of Taylor Decker. I know you are. All right, so you wrote this about Robert Kimdichie, who I think is one of the most divisive players in this draft. Certainly. Body-wise, physicality, you look at him and go, this is a top-five guy. Everyone's been saying it since he got out of high school. Right. Off-the-field issues combined with... The, the numbers aren't there. Black the stats cluster. aren't there. Right. You wrote about Robert Kandice, quote, yeah. not sure if I have ever seen someone so talented on the ground so much in one game. Right. What does that mean? Well, you're going to be uh, – one thing in New England, and they put a lot of value on it, and I think a lot of scouts do, is how much you're on the ground. Because if you're on the ground a lot, first of all, you're not doing your job, and you're getting in the way usually of other people's job, whether – 
whether it's a, you know, again, a defensive tackle and it's a stunt, right? Yes. Now he's on Keep the ground. Talking. Now the other defensive tackle can't stunt and get to where he's supposed to go. Or the linebacker is supposed to fill a gap, but he can't do it because you're on the ground and your legs are tripping him. So do Whatever. you consider, like, being on the and ground injury. a loss? Yes. Well, being on the ground, not always a is loss. Is he getting pushed to the ground? Is he falling? Yes, he's off balance. He's not well coached. So, I mean, that's let's just start there. That Ole Miss is a little bit raw as a football team. You guys have heard me say that. You got to yeah. Kim Dietschy there. Um, you know, he is the all ass and legs team. I mean, he's got a great ass and a great le- and a great pair of legs. I mean, that's the first thing that jumps off to you. He is unreal athlete, um, but he's too content being blocked at times where I go, damn, he's, he's getting manhandled one-on-one by a left guard who's not going to play in the NFL, and he seems okay with it. He's not giving me any Har- Vernon Hargraves after the snap where he's yeah. going like, get off me, you whatever. And you want to see that. It's funny I, I want to see it. Because you wrote about Bosa. Right. I'm amazed how he is never on the ground. Never. Never on the ground. Great balance. Great technique always. Never leans. Kim Dietschy has a number of snaps where he rushes as the defensive tackle and he shoots out off the ball and the offensive guard just takes a step back and they touch his shoulders and push him to the ground. Cause, and he just falls flat face, face first because he just has Can no, that be fixed? It, I do think it can be fixed. Now, it's going to depend on his personal Work attitude ethic, yeah. a little bit, but certainly he has the physical ability to really do anything. Is on the ground something you hear in NFL scouting departments? Definitely. It was one of the things, one of the first things I kept going like, you know, John Robinson, about? the new GM of oh, the Titans. Tennessee Titans, he was kind of my boss as far as the scouting department was considered. That's cool. And he was one of the first people I talked about. I was like, well, what's he talking about? He's on the ground too much. Like, guy made like 10 tackles. What's he? And then he kind of explained it to me one day when we were in a meeting. And I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, he's right. And then cool. guys on the ground hurt other guys. Oh, he's falling. Now he's falling on his tackle's ankle. The guy's got an ankle sprain. Yeah. And he missed game. So all those things go into the evaluation process. I just realized something about right. you talking about Bosa's balance. Right. Bosa. Insanely balanced. Yes. You told me Ezekiel Elliott, maybe the best balance you've seen out of running. Yes. Braxton Miller, insanely balanced. Yes. Do you think that maybe Ohio State, with their strength and conditioning, they just have, like, the balance thing down to a T? Well, I think they really know how to play football. What's up, Amir? Uh, yeah, our uh, good you, friend Amir, Amir is here. Yes. He's laying down on the couch. Uh, hello, I owe you $80. That's the only reason why I'm here. All right, good. <laughs> told you. All right, so but, balance. Yes, balance. But I think that has to go into a little bit again Urban Meyer, Ohio State, he's not only training his guys the right yes. way, but they're learning the proper techniques and things like that day in and day out. Perfect transition. I didn't even mean to do that. Right. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Boy, you were very glowing. You said he's an incredible chipper. He tries right. to break people's ribs. Yes. Balance all that stuff. But you wrote this. Right. His biggest downfall might be how long he can hold up in the NFL with right. his running style. Yes. We've heard this about great running backs. They sure. said it about Adrian Peterson. Right. They said it about a lot of guys. Right. What are you seeing in Ezekiel Elliott that scares you about that? Because that, of course, scares everybody. Yeah, sure, certainly. Well, I mean, listen, he's a physical runner first. Now, is he is he good in space? Yes, but I wouldn't say he's the type that's going to be. We're not going to be watching him on highlight shows the next ten years, going, "Oh, whoa!" Like Lashawn McCoy and going, "He's breaking everybody's ankles in the open field." No, he's kind of more of a smooth runner where he's going to weave in and out of and traffic. Why does that scare you? Uh, it scares me between the tackles because. He don't care. Like, he's just like, oh, there's two guys converging on me. Let me see if I can just fit through there. And then he takes a hit and boom and boom. And then he he keeps his balance or falls forward for another two or three yards, which is all impressive. But I do wonder with the last two years at Ohio State and all the carries, the way he plays, 
does it catch up to him? That's the only thing that scares me to there. To me, it's unbelievable but, as a talent evaluator. You've right. got a guy like him, and right. you have a guy like uh, who's a safety that you say plays with reckless abandon? Well, uh, in the NFL, you're saying? No, or in like, the Oh, I like that Ke- Keanu. the Keanu kid. Keanu kid. Keanu but I, Neal. I also think about guys like Bob Sanders. Right. You want a player that's going to play with reckless abandon, yes. but it also is going to possibly shorten their career. Yes. And I don't know how you strike that balance it's of, very I want a kid who's going to play right, right, but he's also going to play less. Right. It's, it's a very tough conversation always, too, because the other thing, too, is play, a lot of the times coaches are going to go, the timid ones are get the ones that get hurt. Yeah. It's the ones that fly around with reckless abandon that are never seem injured. And, of course, that's not always the case. I need you to put but. your IFB in. So when it comes to scouting, it's really tough. You have to be a good talent evaluator. Saturday, I was I'm coming like up nervous. with ideas for things. Right. And I went onto a website called Twitch. Twitch is a website where people watch other people play video games. Your kids yes, love this stuff. They do love this. I found in a Madden room... A kid, a guy, I'm not going to, this. I like this guy. I've tweeted with him. His name is Mr. Hurricane. He was doing a live Madden draft for his Jacksonville Jaguars franchise, and there were almost 2,000 people watching it live. Wow. And I wanted to give you a taste. So here is what I was watching on Saturday afternoon at 4 with 2,000 other people. Jake, please roll it. Or Michelle. Needed to get two more defensive backs on the team, and here comes Gordon Solomon. And he is a good pick. He's ranked 25. I took him at 37. 97 speed. So that means if he's on the outside, we have two corners with 97 speed. His man coverage needs to come up a bit. But this is just giving us defensive backs to play. I love the pen click. And I'm curious. People watch that for about an hour and a half. Yeah. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Well, you'd have to question the IQs of the people watching this. I would question it seriously, including yours, uh, that, doing that. I'm going to go completely opposite. <laughs> I would like you to finish your point. No, I don't have a point, but uh, I just uh, I can't believe it. I'm amazed with my kids that they watch this crap. Uh, you and realize that this is the future. I, I guess. They'll listen to people who don't know anything about football, and they're going to tell us. But he doesn't, he doesn't claim to know anything about right. football. He knows about Madden right. because they're not the same thing. <laughs> what I'm saying is. There's correlation because there's a reason. Madden helped me get There's a reason I was I like a, 120 and 6 when I would play on Xbox Live and whoop other people's butts in the yeah, game. Yeah, so you enjoyed Madden. Yeah, I mean, they weren't going to My thing me. is this. I do not think we're in the world anymore of disc, like controlling what people consume. Can I take this off? Yeah, you can take it off. I think we're now on a thing where it's like there are people that enjoy watching that stuff. There are people that enjoy watching people play Madden, and that's the world we are in. That guy, I guess, is a very top Madden player. People like it, and it's a community. (laughs) It is cool. I I think what's crazy, though, is it is in everyone's natural instinct to reject that stuff, to go, this is stupid. Who would want to watch it? But then thousands of people are watching it, so stop questioning it. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, like I, I said this to Amir today. I said there was a time where television came out. People right. were like, I prefer to listen to my sporting events on the radio. They paint the picture. And then it was like, cell phone, call me when I'm at my house. I'm out doing errands. This is a thing where people are watching video on the internet, and I'm trying to get everyone on the podcast to realize that, listen, this is where it's going. I'm not saying that you have to enjoy it. No. You do not. 
but I think we need to get past the point where we reject it because I think you're going to be in the minority in five to ten years, I, I and agree, I'm just yeah. preparing you for yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I understand. That's, but those are those kind of videos are the reasons I don't let my kids go on the iPad or the computer until the weekend. And I think that's fair. Because my, my little girl will sit there and watch Minecraft, some girl named Sally, episode 24, and she's going to talk about, oh, I'm going to build a barn with dogs in it, and she yeah. sits there and talks about it for an hour. I think the thing that scares like, me oh about it is I, the reason I enjoyed doing video games right. is because when I was a kid, it allowed me to do critical thinking. It taught me about rosters and Madden. I sure. learned what a cover three defense and a cover two was because of Madden. Right. And the thing that scares me is you only learn that if you're doing. And that's my thing is by watching, now you're a passive yes, person. Right. Now it's like watching television. Right. I like video games because it forced you to be like mentally active. Yeah, I hear you. There, there certainly is I was curious is what your take was going to be on that. <laughs> I knew it was going to be. I like his setup with the green curtain behind him. Oh, dude. Well, so what's happened is I tweeted out. Nearly right. 2,000 people are watching this. Right. Someone tweeted at him, and it was, I'm waiting on my draft grades. And I got like 20 tweets from people being like, stop hating, we enjoy this, whatever. And I just tweeted back, I was like, no, I like this. And then everybody was like, you're the man, you're awesome. <laughs> just funny, man, like we don't need to be exclusive. I had friends in the NFL that would never play Madden. I would go over to their house on a Friday night, and they were just playing GM. And they would, be, they would draft and sign players let the auto season go, and then go into the next year, they would try to make moves. That's what he's, that's and that's what, what they're doing. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Thoughts? It's funny. I, I'm, I'm not going to be watching it. But yeah. I certainly have no problem with people that enjoy it. <laughs> it's totally cool. That's how you want to spend your time. Spend your time. Yeah, I know. You, you think I'm crazy. No, I'm yeah, I, I don't. This is going to be all over your face. You, you want to host the show, don't you? Don't we'll you do wanna, it. We'll yeah. figure it out. All right, that was it. 57. Feel that good? was it. 57, baby. Uh, I am so happy that Calhoun was pleasant. I could have talked to Calhoun forever. I would love to hear stories Top about five recruiting. Accent. Oh, I mean, yes. I didn't understand. When he said he's announcing games, I want to be like, who can understand what you're saying, Coach? Come he called on. a few Maryland yeah. games this year. Uh, did he? Yeah. Yes, he is Dorchester to the T. That felt good. Sim, say goodbye. Peace out, homies. Fendrick, give him some of that nerd love. Goodbye, everybody. Nerd love for you. <laughs> Hashtag nerd love. <laughs> it's the new fan love. Except nerd burger. Uh, <laughs> Gabe, let me get those stinky fingers. Oh. Hey, Amir, you know what? Stand up really quick. So, hurry up, hurry up. Get in front of this camera. Take my ISO. Amir. A mirror shot. Oh, hold on, stay oh, there, stay there. Get back, get back, get back, get back. If you don't see your fat head on the screen, yeah. you can get in there. Oh, yeah, man. Awesome. Amir. All right, control room. Don't crush my head. <laughs> control room. Oh, we oh. got Jake. We got Michelle. Is that Pellegrino? Way to go, Michelle. Way to go, Michelle. There he is. Steinmetz, everybody. Jake, you're okay. KP. KP. And that's a George finger. George. His fingers are stinkier than Gabe's. Oh. Awesome. Episode 57 in the books, of course. Uh, at Simpson Lefko uh, on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment if you're awesome. Episode 58. Bother Fendrick on Twitter with stuff you want to talk about. We'll see if we get to it. But we're getting close to the draft season. We're going to dig in. Ah! Blue 40 Podcast. Talk to you guys later. <laughs>